All right. So what are you drinking? We are drinking mimosas because it is Mother's Day at 1130. Yeah, it's 830 here. So I'm. I appreciate you giving up. I decided to make a Irish coffee. So, yeah. Good. That is a good idea. Yeah. Hopefully I don't get toasted before brunch. (laughs) That's when you should be toasted, though. Right. (laughs) I got to drive to brunch. So. Yeah, so do we. Yeah. Of course, it won't be brunch by the time we have it. Okay. So today we are doing haunted dolls. I promised my 11-year-old that she could be on the podcast to do one little story, but she's hiding in her room, so I don't know if she's coming. But that's the good thing is we're doing a few dolls because we did Harold, and I spent 12 pages on it, so I'm not going to go into detail with a lot of them. So it's going to be short and sweet. So I use denofgeek.com, wikipedia.com, ghostandgravestones.com, and thelineup.com. There's all my sources. So I always put a little guy up here. <laughs> so I just want to give a little background on what makes dolls haunted. First dolls have been existent since ancient Egypt and Rome. They were first placed in Pharaoh's tombs as servants for the afterlife. Well, uh, I thought they placed the servants in the tombs for the afterlife but maybe some of them felt bad so some of them got dolls i thought that too i remember like oh we'll just bury you too yeah well you're not dead it's fine yeah no problem (laughs) you'll die eventually it's cool um they're part of every culture they were made for fertility to teach children how to parent or to just sometimes listen to our woes and worries dr margie kerr is a sociologist who specializes in fear she says that While our childhood experiences with dolls may have been a source of joy, comfort, or even safety, seeing dolls out of context can freak us out, and it's the ultimate betrayal of innocence. So that's why when we see, like, Child's Play and The Conjuring and Annabelle, it's so freaking creepy. Plus, I don't like dolls anyway. I've never liked dolls. I never owned dolls except Barbie dolls because I've always thought they were creepy. How weird is that, though, that Barbie dolls are exempt from the creepy? They just are. They're just not creepy. Maybe it's because they're so small and they're so out of what normal people look like. Yeah, well, because they look like adults, not babies, I guess. Yeah, yeah and maybe that's it. They're like three inches tall. <laughs> they're, they're and I'm like, I can kick you. <laughs> yeah. So that's a scientific reason why we find dolls that kill in horror movies terrifying. They're also so human-like, and our brain is like, whoa. And I actually literally wrote, Whoa. As for the supernatural explanation is dolls have historically served as links to the spirit world. Dolls are one of the top things most likely to have uh, residual haunting attachments, which is an energy imprint. Uh, Dolls replicate people. So, for example, sometimes if a doctor suspects a child's being abused, they'll use a doll for the child to interact with. So basically what is done to the doll is done to the person. I've seen that on TV. Yeah, on TV. Not yeah. in real life. <laughs> I've watched SVU. To talk about yeah. that. <laughs> right. The more an object is handled, the more psychic and emotional energy attaches to the object, creating a haunted residue. Sometimes spirits attach to these inanimate objects because they're unable to attach to the person themselves. So it attaches to something personal, the person, hoping that it can take the person as a host. So, wow. so let's meet our dolls. So since somebody's not here to do Annabelle, um, you want to do Peggy first? Yeah, we can go on Peggy. Peggy. Yeah, I think of of Peggy Hill immediately. (laughs) I don't know who that is. Who is that? Oh, my gosh. From um, the hill. Oh, my gosh. What the hell's the name of that show? It's got Hill in it. No, because that's Hill. Hill. There it is. Peggy Hill, for fuck's sake. Okay, I know the cartoon. Propane is God's gas. <laughs> okay, Miss Peggy. So Peggy, I've actually met Peggy. Um, and I'll go. The doll. In. Yeah, the doll, Peggy the doll. So I'll go more into that, but basically she looks like I want to say she's three feet. She might be a little shorter than that. All these haunted dolls are huge. Yeah, yeah, she's pretty like, good. I've never. Um, she has blonde hair, it's like a bob, and she has blue eyes. 
Um, so Peggy was owned by a British investigator by the name of Jane Harris. And the Jane Harris has reported that Peggy causes nausea, dizziness, headaches, and perhaps even heart attacks on some occasion um, just by seeing her photo. So I think um, you guys talked about Harold. And even yeah. if you think about him, like something happens. So it's the same as Peggy. Who? Um, so. They should hook I, up. I was going to say Peggy and Harold sitting in a tree. Um, <laughs> <laughs> uh, and then sometimes those who encounter her might even go mad too. Um, which I haven't yet. Actually, maybe I have. Maybe <laughs> I'm just mad. This is, <laughs> this is okay. all an illusion. You're not even here. Yeah. <laughs> Damn it. That means I'm in with you then. <laughs> Um, so Harris, who had Peggy to, well, he was an investigator, I had mentioned, or him, her. Actually, I don't know what, what gender this investigator is. But Harris um, came into possession of Peggy by a previous owner who stated that she was causing this owner bad dreams. Um, she had mediums visit the doll, and they've claimed that she's inhabited by a spirit that was persecuted in life, possibly ties to the Holocaust. Oh, that's sad. Yeah. Um, so the investigator and the medium team came. How strange that it's a doll that's blonde hair, blue eyes. No shit. Yeah. In, the Holocaust. in the Holocaust. Mm-hmm. She must have been Jewish. That's Maybe. wild. Yeah. Um. So they also came to believe that this woman, so the woman that's um, supposedly the spirit of Peggy or in Peggy's doll body, she died in 1946 London by an illness that ailed her chest. And so that's why she may cause those heart attacks on some occasion. Mm. Um, Also, the author, oh my gosh, I was reading this article and this author made me laugh because (laughs) they said, oh, she hated clowns, presumably because clowns are the only thing creepier than a doll inhabited by a dead chick. <laughs> no, I agree with that statement, actually. It's, I also hate clowns. So. Clowns don't bother me that way. I don't know why. It's not like if I see a clown, it skeeves me out. Like the Pennywise, that sort of stuff, like when they're meant to look demented, that does skeeve me out but when I see a normal clown I'm not I don't have that like phobia where people are like oh it's a clown get it away yeah same like the that one year with all the weird clowns coming out of nowhere that was creepy that is creepy I don't like just attacking people yeah what the fuck man super weird life is hard enough I know I'm surprised I'm not here during (laughs) I know that's a really good point (laughs) (laughs) it would have been the year for clowns in my opinion yeah um so this investigator continues by saying that um, droves of people have come forward with um, accounts of seeing, like, Peggy's picture just by itself. Um, and some of these accounts range from computers freezing when they looked at her picture. That's to, our problem. To rooms yeah. going cold, to light bulbs blowing out, um, even when they mention the doll. Wow. So, Peggy, you're around here. Please don't off the lights because I might forget. Um, <laughs> and I can't do shit because I'm 3,000 miles away. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Um, Harris, the, the investigator, also said that when people contact her about these incidents, um, he or she takes Peggy into an isolated area and kindly asks her to stop tormenting these strangers. And apparently it stops. So Peggy seems to be reasonable. Well, she's a woman. Yeah, that's true. Yeah. yeah. So I do the same to my children when they're tormenting people. I take them aside and I say, Hey, <laughs> knock it off. <laughs> Some people don't like that. Yeah. But my kids are not women. So they don't, they don't follow suit. They just <laughs> continue to terrorize. <laughs> I try that with my dogs and it doesn't work. Well, you see, it doesn't work with my dog. Yeah. I'm um, and then lastly, so Peggy is now with Zach Baggins who um, is an investigator of Ghost Adventures, and he has a haunted museum in Vegas. So that's how I met Peggy. Um, Yes. So Baggins 
said that Peggy has affected him more than Robert the doll, which we'll be talking about today. Wow. Claiming That's a type, crazy. Yeah, claiming a typewriter began typing on its own during a seance with Peggy in the room. He also said that since taking ownership, Peggy has manifested flies, which is, which is sometimes a demonic sign. Harold the doll did that, right? Or was it crows? Or was it both? Both. It was okay. both. And Amityville had the flies as mm-hmm. well. Yeah. Uh, there was crows outside my uh, back door the other day. And I was like, please be nice to me. Like, this is not, <laughs> this is not the time to fuck with me, please. <laughs> um, and he also says to view the museum or to view Peggy at the museum, he requires visitors to sign a waiver, which is true. Wow. I did have to sign a waiver before I went into the museum. So, so I met Peggy. She's in a room by herself and she has a spirit box right in front of her. So basically it's just, you know, radio transmissions that go every like half a second or even faster than that so that the spirit can use that energy to tell, to communicate. And so when we entered, we had to say hi, Peggy, to be respectful um, and then sometimes she'll communicate through that spirit box. When I met her, she didn't say anything. And no one had any physical ailments that I knew of um, on the tour, but I don't know. Maybe, maybe she was on a smoke break. She wasn't even really there. Maybe she wasn't even there. <laughs> um, so we were just talking to some inanimate object. Um, and then when we left her room, we had to say goodbye, Peggy, too, so that she didn't like hurt us in any way. I wonder if it's because you were respectful and it's the people who don't believe yes. in it who won't that's be respectful who have. Yeah. See, that's why I couldn't take my husband. Because yeah. he'd be talking shit because he's an asshole like that. He just yeah. not a believer until he's in a freaking house blowing up my light bulbs. <laughs> um, so, yeah, that's Peggy. That's all I have on Peggy. That's, that's enough, I think. Yeah. yeah. I'll say. That's cool that you, you met her, though. Mm-hmm. That sounds funny. You met the doll. I did. Yeah. I, I was telling Papa I met Peggy because I was telling him about the story and he was like questioning my every my life choices. That's because it wasn't an alien. Exactly. If you went to Area 51 and saw an alien, he'd probably be singing a different tune. Right. And said hi to it. He would totally understand. Yeah, that's true. <laughs> <laughs> so there's this doll, Ruby. Ruby's a porcelain doll from around the 1900s. Supposedly, she was passed on by too many people, and she spent decades in basements and attics. She is believed to be possessed by a young girl who died while holding the doll. Like other dolls, Ruby is said to move about on her own. What makes her stand out, though, is anyone that holds her is overcome with sadness and nausea. She Mm. said she isn't said to be evil, just misunderstood, like most women. Mm -hmm. Um, She is part of Dana and Greg's Newkirk's Traveling Museum of the Paranormal and the Occult. So there's this doll called Letta, short for Letta Me Out. Oh, (laughs) goodness. Wait, is that all on Ruby? Yeah. Oh, wow. Okay. Yeah, Ruby doesn't have a lot. Oh, okay. So Letta was found by Carrie Walton in the 1970s under the floorboards of an abandoned house in Wagga Wagga, New South Wales, Australia. She is made of wood. And has glass eyes. Ooh. So this guy brings the doll home to his children. Like, seriously, you can't just, like, buy them a new doll? Like, you have to find a doll under this abandoned house? Whatever. That's creepy in itself. He's just consumer conscious, you know? He doesn't want it winding up in a landfill. He's just going to reuse. Reduce, reuse, recycle. <laughs> <laughs> so he brings his dolls home. And his children are terrified of it, as they should be. They said it talked to itself and would move on her own. Dogs acted aggressively towards her. Huh. So maybe you're a doll. Maybe that's why why it's such a jerk. <laughs> Yikes. Uh, those who come into close contact with her get vivid nightmares, and it makes them, makes them sick. Plus, Carrie said it walked around at night. He had the doll examined and discovered Letta was 200 years old and was made with real human hair by <laughs> Eastern European gypsies. Oh, my gosh. The doll is haunted by a boy who had been drowned. Oh. So Carrie says at one time he went to get rid of the doll and he could not physically put it in the car. Like he kept trying and he just couldn't. Can we- like, I don't know if it was fighting him. 
you know, it's like, you know, a cat trying to get in the bathtub or something. Not that I put cats in bathtubs, but. Can we go back to the part where she walks around the house? Yeah. That is terrifying. She walks around the house. Do you hear, like, the wood? You know, like, her wood legs? I have these stairs, the front stairs, that you know if anyone's coming up. Because by the time you get to the third stair from the top, it is the loudest. Like, you could never sneak in, like, ever. You can't sneak up on anyone on those stairs. So it's like if I hear that in the middle of the night, I check to make sure the dogs are with me. Because if they're not, then I know it's the dogs. But if everyone's where they should be, I'm like, what the fuck is that? Yeah, imagine hearing that and late, what's her name? Letta. Letta. Just walking up. Letta me out. <laughs> so Carrie's decided to keep the doll. And now he makes a killing off her. He um, refuses to get rid of her now and takes her on publicity tours. And charges like seventy five to you can sit her on your lap and take pictures. Oh hell no. Oh no, that's too close. Yeah, yeah agreed. Uh-uh. Um, so of course we can't do a podcast on haunted dolls and leave out the most famous, Robert the doll. Mm-hmm. Robert is a doll portrayed in child's play. So he's Chucky. Is that Chucky? Yeah. Yeah, it's Chucky. Um Robert kind of looks like a monkey human. He does. Do you know? Side note, I've never seen Chucky. I've refused to watch it. I've seen two of them, like the bride one where he got married. It's so dumb. And the first one. It's funny because Jennifer Tilly's a trip. Yeah, it's funny. It's just dumb. It's it really is dumb. scary. It is dumb. Yeah, I think it's because every, like when I was of age to watch it, everyone had said that they had watched it when they were too young. Like I watched The Exorcist when I was in fifth grade. It wasn't, I didn't find it scary because I didn't really have the ability to think that that those things could truly happen. Do you know what I mean? Yeah. So I think kids who watched Chucky thought it really could happen because they had dolls. So I just was like, fuck that. I'm not, I'm not watching it. I had a step grandmother that collected creepy ass dolls. They were everywhere. They looked at you everywhere you went. Uh, Grandpa Rigby's husband or husband, wife, Wife, Martha. Do you remember her up in Victorville? Not really. Her house always smelled like peach candles. I couldn't stand the smell of peach candles for the longest time because she would just saturate it. She'd have like five of them going. Ugh. Ugh. Yeah. <laughs> Plus, I can't stand dolls. Okay. Yeah. Same. So he looks like a monkey human. He's made of wood and wool, and he's about the size of a toddler. Once again, yeah. these giant dolls. Like, mm-hmm. if you notice, most of them aren't small. They're big. Harold was a big doll. Yeah. Robert. Peggy. A lot of energy they have to. Yeah. Keep. Um, he has tiny black eyes, weird cuts on his face, and he wears a little sailor suit. Mm-hmm. Super cute. The sailor suit is supposedly from the first owner, Robert Eugene Otto, out of Key West, Florida. So this story goes all the way back to 1904, when the, the real Robert uh, was a boy. So Robert, the person, went by Gene, not the doll, um, because his middle name was Eugene, and he got the doll from his grandfather after a trip to Germany. Robert was made from the same company, Stifeco, that made the first teddy bear. Hmm. So it's believed that Robert the doll was probably meant to be a mannequin and not really a doll. Oh. So young Gene took Robert everywhere with him. He was his partner in crime. Toys would be mutilated, furniture overturned, and creepy giggles would be heard throughout the house. Gene always blamed the, the doll for all the wreckage, which isn't abnormal for a kid to be like, oh, my doll did it. Although yeah. now if your kid says that, you might rethink it. <laughs> yeah. Oh, so his parents would often hear Gene having a conversation with himself, but a voice other than his would answer back. Oh, and no. They'd go up there and be like, who are you talking to? And he'd be like, Robert. And that was pretty creepy for them. They claimed that Robert would run up and down the stairs. They said they also saw it speak and change expressions on many, many occasions. So they locked Robert in the attic. He didn't like that. So school children would walk by and they said that he would stare at them from the upstairs bedroom window, which was not the attic. And that he would mock them on the way to school. Wow. Um, So Gene would go into the bedroom and there would be Robert chilling in the rocking chair by the bedroom window. So he'd put Robert back in the attic only to find him again in the same bedroom at the same bedroom window. So Gene finally just gave up and let him out like, Obviously, that's not working. So Gene went on to become an artist and inherited the home that they grew up in. 
He would sit Robert on the windowsill where people claimed he would change positions and the expressions on his face. So, like, you know, local people would walk by. Key West isn't very big. After Jean died, Myrtle Reuter bought the house and Robert came with it. <laughs> Buy oh. a house, you get a haunted doll. <laughs> wow. She, she said the doll would move on its own and giggle. And in 1994, Myrtle donated the doll to the Fort East Martello Museum, which Jean had actually designed. People claimed to become cursed if they insulted Robert or took his picture without asking for permission. People How did he confirm? If you ask him for permission, what does he say? Okay. Ask, it's okay. I think it's if you just oh. do it and don't ask. I see. Um, people claimed he's caused car accidents, broken bones, lost jobs, divorce, and a variety of misfortunes. Robert is said to interfere with electronic devices. He receives approximately three letters a day. Some are apologies for disrespecting him. And others are to ask advice. <laughs> what? Of a doll. Yeah. Like, what advice? So, I'm having this girl problem. They might be desperate. Yeah. <laughs> like, nobody else likes you if you have to ask Poor guy. for a doll. Robert is oh. said to love sweets and gets candy sent to him quite often. It's also been claimed that the reason he is haunted was that a maid who worked for Jean's family put a voodoo curse on the doll because she was mistreated. And hmm. that's why it haunts. But they don't, you know, just because they had a servant doesn't mean they're all into voodoo. So they don't, like, have any confirmation. I do have uh, one little doll I wanted to mention real quick. Her name is Mandy. I decided if I ever came back as a haunted doll, I would be Mandy. <laughs> Mandy lives in a museum in Canada. I almost said Canada. <laughs> she was given to the museum by a woman who claimed it cried all night, kept her up. The doll was a porcelain doll, so it wasn't, like, made to cry. It wasn't one of those, you know, dolls you can buy now that cries. Polly wets herself or whatever. Yeah. <laughs> Wendy wets herself. Yeah. That's what it should be named. Um, so she was manufactured in 1910, so they didn't have that technology. So it wasn't supposed to cry. Anyway, in the museum, she is known to knock over other dolls that are displayed with her. Oh. And she continuously steals a staff member's lunch. <laughs> That's amazing. I She's can't... a hungry girl. She's my spirit animal. Right? That's what I was like. If I was a haunted doll, I'd be the asshole. Like, get on my display case. Yeah, bitch move. I'm hungry. Ooh, you have tacos. <laughs> so I thought Mandy was funny. Oh, my hmm. God. I love her. So this is why we picked haunted dolls. It was her 11th birthday last week, and she wanted to do Annabelle. Happy birthday. So most of us have heard of Annabelle due to the movie The Conjuring, but obviously Hollywood tends to change things a bit. So what's the real story? First of all, first of all, the real Annabelle, unlike the movie, looks more like a Raggedy Ann doll, about the size of a four-year-old. So Annabelle was bought as a birthday gift by the mother of a doll, Donna Jennings. Donna was a nurse. I'd be pissed if my mom bought me a doll for my birthday as an adult. I mean, I guess if I yeah. collect dolls, but who would do that? I was I'm not say, your step-grandma wouldn't be upset. No, she wouldn't. Yeah, she would probably give out dolls. Yeah, she let... <laughs> She let all of you guys pick out a doll when you were little. I feel like she may have given me a doll. It was like a little porcelain yeah. doll. She collected every kind of creepy doll. I don't know where it went, but. They're probably all haunted. Probably. She shared an apartment with Angie Stapleton and her fiancé, Lou Carlo. Things started moving around their apartment by themselves. At first, it was just the doll changing positions while they were at work, or it would be standing or kneeling on its own. Ooh. And I know that's really creepy. Angie said the doll would change rooms while they were gone. Then one day, handwritten notes on parchment paper started to show up. The notes would be in pencil, and they'd say, help us or help Lou. They said oh. they didn't own parchment paper, because normal people don't really, or a pencil. Which what? The kid Everybody thought, owns parchment paper. You own parchment paper? Yeah, you cook with it. I mean, you put it on your baking sheets. I just use foil. I'm not that fancy. <laughs> The kidlet was like, why don't they own a pencil? I'm like, well, adults, you know, there's really no reason. You have pens. But she was like, I don't get it. Because <laughs> she adults. Upset by that. Adults don't make mistakes. They write it in pen. That's true. <laughs> don't. Never. I agree. What I... if you run out of a pen and you don't have any more pens left? Then use lipstick. What? Eyeliner. Yeah. No. One night, Annabelle had blood on her hand and chest. So the name Annabelle Higgins came from a medium they took her to. 
The medium told her the doll contained a spirit of a seven-year-old girl who previously lived in their apartment, and she just wanted to be loved and requested permission to stay to really? stay with them and live with them and to stay in the doll. Hmm. The women granted her request. Note to self. <laughs> Not invite a demon to your home. Exactly. See, even at 11, she knows, never invite a demon to your home. No. Dad wants to bring in a Ouija board into this household. Yeah, he keeps threatening us no. with a Ouija board. No. And I was like, remember that shadow figure that attacked you? I can bring it back. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> um. So, yeah, so they invite, oh, go ahead and live here. You know, it's like you don't invite a vampire in. So the activity increased in their apartment. Lou had dreams of the doll strangling him and would wake up to find the doll lying on his chest. Oh, that's terrifying. Right? He would hear strange noises in Donna's room and he'd go to investigate and one time found Annabelle on the floor. He went to pick her up and something attacked him from the back, from behind him, leaving bloody scratch marks on his back. Ooh. The roommates reached yeah. out to Father Cook, who then reached out to the famous demonologist, Lorraine and Ed Warren. The spirit was looking for a human host, so it was exercised, and the Warrens took ownership of the doll. While they were driving the doll home, they got they ran off the road for, like, no reason. It wasn't like a car ran them off of the road, a dog ran out in front of them. They just ran off the road, and they thought it was Annabelle. I almost said Robert. <laughs> I think Yikes. Annabelle and Robert should hook up, in my personal opinion. How? If Peggy and Harold are going to hang out. I think we have a bunch of love relationships here. Yeah. Yeah. Maybe it would be like, um, you know, clueless where they hook the teacher up so that they stop being mean to everybody yeah. else. Maybe that's yeah. all they want. This is how we solve the problem. Maybe they just want to get some. <laughs> you never know. We don't know how old the demons are. We don't know how old the demons are. So they put her in a special case in their occult museum. They said a young man once challenged the doll only to die a few days later in a motorcycle accident. With his girlfriend. Ooh. Was his girlfriend? Yeah. Oh, yeah? Yeah. I didn't know that. They taunt, oh, they okay. both of them taunted the doll. They tapped on the glass and, like, said things at it. Then they went on their motorcycle. Then he, like, passed into a tree, I think. He died, and the girlfriend lived. Oh, wow. Uh, Goodness. So, also, ever since Annabelle, sh- or Annabelle, yeah. <laughs> I forgot which doll I was on. Um, showed up. A black cat has showed up. That. Um, after they acquired Annabelle, and it would deter- de- deteriorate. Thank you. That's the word you couldn't say yesterday, and now I can't say it. Um, it would dematerialize by the doll's side. Well, so it's like she got a pet cat and brought it in, which is kind of rude. You know, she just moved in, and then she's bringing pets. But I want a pet. I would do that. You, you have no pet. Stop telling me that. <laughs> we got her glowfish for her birthday, and they're dead already. Oh, no. 24 hours later. Yeah, we did something bad. All right. Now we're going to hear Jen's. So this was inspired because the twist will come. It's not really a twist, but it'll come later why it has to do with dolls. But this is the story of Herb Bomeister. He was born April 7th, 1947. He was married to Julie Sater in 1971. It wasn't a super happy marriage, but it was a long marriage. Julie reported that during their 25-year marriage, they had sex six times. Oh, what? And, (laughs) (laughs) yeah. Uh, To procreate or? Well, this could be because, as I'll get into it a little bit later, I don't think he really preferred the company of women. Oh. But it was the 70s, and so I think he thought it was an easier life if he decided to get married. But they did have three children. So either she was really, yeah, either she was really just lucky. Well, if they wanted children, she was lucky that she got pregnant three times or they only slept together to have kids. I don't know. I didn't get too into it. So something to note is that when he was, a like late teenager he was diagnosed with schizophrenia as well as multiple personality disorders or disorder i don't know there's multiple personalities i don't know if it's disorders <laughs> <laughs> and this was because of his crazy behavior he was being erratic he was bringing dead animals that he found on his way to school he possibly 
peed on a teacher's desk. Oh, jeez. It's not confirmed. It's not confirmed? Shouldn't confirm that? No, I think there was... He's an alleged pisser. So he was unmedicated, right, at this time, because around the time of his diagnosis, the only real treatment for any of his disorders was electroconvulsive therapy, which was the shocking, you know, because it was like the 60s. And do that in the 60s, man. You had something wrong with you. They're like, zap. Yep. (laughs) And that's what it was. It was basically just shocking them into not being aggressive. So it was like, I'm willing to try it. (laughs) So he was admitted to a psychiatric hospital on behalf of his father after only six months of being married to Julie. So he was cool. Like he had kept his disorders in check and I don't know if it was something like perhaps he was really gay and the stress of being married to a woman even though he thought it was going to be easier kind of sent him off the rails but she waited for him he was in there for two months and then apparently that was that was that like he was good for quite a while uh, he did keep the peeing thing in his Rolodex of ideas. <laughs> in 1985, he was fired for peeing on a letter that he sent to the governor of Indian, Indiana. I wrote Indian of Indiana, Robert Orr. So he was upset with him. OK, so <laughs> he was upset with him. I hope it wasn't a love letter. Herbert was a Republican. I don't know if he really believed that or if it was another one of his, like, he thought it would be easier to be on the outside this person. And Robert Orr was a Republican, and he was doing some things that Herb did not agree with. So he thought that he would send a pea-soaked letter to. (laughs) That's such a weird thing to do. It is. He was also. I'm going to send you a letter. (laughs) I wouldn't mind. (laughs) Just kidding. Oh, my God. Not weird. (laughs) (laughs) So he got fired from a job. Uh, He was the director of the for the Bureau of Motor Vehicles. He became. Yeah. So he had a few. Different jobs that he had been fired for, like he couldn't really keep a job. The first one that he was fired for was obviously sending a letter the in P for this guy. I don't know what that had to do with his employer, or maybe it was just a like integrity situation where like we don't like being peed on. Employing people who pee on things. Like I don't know what I don't like to employ people that pee on things. But How he just keeps getting jobs. He keeps getting fired for peeing on things and yet I can't get a job. And I've I'll never get to that. anything. Maybe I'll get to that. Maybe you need <laughs> To do this. <laughs> <laughs> if I pee on my resume. <laughs> His father was a very successful doctor in the area. And I think he really covered up for a lot of stuff because after he had gotten fired from that previous job, he got a job working for the Bureau of Motor Vehicles and he worked his way up to being a director. So he was making pretty good money. Um, he did not enough things. I get it. Yeah. So like I said, he and Julie had three kids and he was fired from this director job at the motor vehicles place. So he decided he would be a stay at home dad and Julie would go back to work. She was a teacher. So they had the three children. He was staying at home and he worked at a thrift store like part time. He was kind of doing like an early eBay thing on the side. You buy clothes from a thrift store. They smell like pee. Yeah. Yeah. It was because. I don't even go to thrift stores. Are you kidding me? I'm too snobby it, for that. They don't smell like pee. They yeah. smell like sick. If you've ever no. heard of, I feel like a thrift store smell like sick. What? They smell like a closet. Like they smell like a walk-in closet. I feel yeah. like. I smell. I feel. I smell sick. Smells like a hospital to me. Oh my gosh. Maybe because I go to the thrift stores in Rancho Bernardo. That's true. (laughs) Spraying vanilla scents like Disneyland does. Yeah. 
And El Cajon, they're just like, whatever. They do pee. <laughs> Ew. Gross. So he's staying at home. He's working at a thrift store. He's kind of uh, taking stuff from the thrift store and reselling it on the side. Three years later, with $4,000 borrowed from his parents, they opened their own thrift shop called Save a Lot. And in the beginning, it was very successful. And a year later, they opened another location and bought a million dollar home. So they were like, you know, if you think about it, a thrift store, you're not buying crap, really. Everyone's donating it. So you're making money off something you didn't have to purchase. So I get it. Well, it's like the people on the um, what's that one where they bid on storage container uh, things? Yeah, they one of the couples had a. Th- I haven't watched it in probably ten yeah, years. The one but at the time, yeah, they had a thrift store. And guy, I don't remember his name. Guy, <laughs> he's a guy. Damn it, I can picture uh, his face. Okay, so Herbert is not out of trouble. Oh, now he's Herbert. We're getting formal. Oh, Herb. I don't know. I just, you know, I go back and forth. Herbert, was he in trouble? <laughs> so, yes. Herbert Bowmeister. I don't know his middle name. Um, He was fired once again for, no, this was, I'm sorry. This was before he had opened his like thrift he store. himself? <laughs> no, he was fired from the thrift store that he had been working at before he opened his own for, a hit and run while drunk driving. And then, so that was in 1985. And in 1986, he was arrested again for stealing a friend's car. So he was arrested, but he was never sentenced for any of this. He didn't serve any time, no community service from what I could tell. It basically was just like, hey, don't do that again. Like, you know, that's wrong. Don't do that. His back to his thrift store, save a lot. His store began to suffer financially, mostly because his marriage was suffering. So Julie began bringing the kids quite often to stay with Herbert's mother at her lake house. And Herb would stay home in his home when and he was supposed to be in charge of the save a lot stores because they had two at the time. But he rarely even showed up. He had no idea what was going on in the stores. He was tending to his other, quote unquote, interests. These interests, this is why I, when I was searching for doll type crimes and this came up and I was like, this is the creepiest thing that I've ever. That's a lot coming from you. I know. Well, I couldn't do the creepiest that I ever found, which was that Russian guy. I thought of him, too. Yeah. I thought of him. He kept coming up when I was trying to help research for you. He's the one that's coming up. Moleskin or something or Moskvin. I don't know. Moscow? No. But he was from like 70 miles outside of Moscow. Hmm. Um, But this guy, he had a pool house. Right. So his property was like 18 acres. It was 11,000 square foot house. It was giant. So he had a pool house with an indoor pool. He maintained a full bar. He also had mannequins positioned and dressed as if they were having a pool party all throughout. I pictured immediately like home alone when he had the party, you know, I was picturing the movie mannequin. Okay, but I think I'm going to go I'm going to go on a little bit. And I I think this gave some people a false sense of security, because if you looked into the pool house, it almost looked like there was people in there. So while his wife was away, he would frequent Indianapolis's gay bar scene. And it was here that he would pick up men and lure them back to his house to partake in a pool party and like have another drink and, you know, whatever. How creepy would That's that amazing. be? Oh, my God. Yes. Ugh. Also, I have enough problems, you know, it's about it's a little out of town. You know, I mean, it's 18 acres yeah. property. You You are not in the city. It's not as if you get there and you see these mannequins and you're like, you know what? I actually have to go. Like, I forgot something. So in 1994, 
a retired Marion County Sheriff got wind of a couple of strange, suspicious disappearances. It was two men. They vanished in eerily similar circumstances within a couple days of each other. So Virgil Vandegriff, he was the retired sheriff. He had a private investigation firm and he was looking into one of the disappearances. He found the other disappearance and he was convinced that there's a possible serial offender. So he went to the police with all of his findings and was like, hey, these are, you know, same, very similar looking men. They're, they both were on their way or going to a gay bar in this like really um, kind of known, almost like our Hillcrest, you know, like a known kind of um, gay friendly area. So the police naturally said, um, no, they probably just left on their own to practice their quote unquote gay lifestyles. <laughs> what? Well, yeah. It's disgusting, but it's kind of true to the times. The police were just like, no, it was probably them. But the yeah. But the strange thing that I that I see about that is these two particular men were out to their friends and family. So it's not like they were closeted and they had to try and hide and they would disappear. You know, if they met someone, they would run away with them like they would. They didn't need to go somewhere to have a relationship. Their friends and family were the people reporting them missing. So Herb was. Oh, and they reported them missing from being in this area. So they knew, you know, of their relationships. So Herb was off, seen often enough at these gay bars in Indianapolis that when the police department finally began investigating these disappearances of the gay men who were all about the same age, height, weight, like they could have been mistaken for each other. Um, a guy said, um, this guy, Brian Smart, he allegedly killed his friend. Uh, like, I don't know why you wouldn't have reported that earlier but said that he tried to kill him with a pool hose at his pool house. They were saying that he was, it was under the guise of like um, erotic asphyxia, erotic, yes, there it is. So it wasn't until a few years later when police linked the man called Brian Smart to a vehicle and that vehicle was registered to ding, 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 Herbert Hallmeister. So the the reason that the guy couldn't say where this um where this guy tried to strangle him with a with a pool hose was because they were they met at a bar he had been drinking you know the guy asked do you want to come home with me and he said yeah he wasn't really concerned he wasn't paying that much attention to where they were driving to and when you get into that area kind of all the houses look the same really because you know it's all just estates so he had been drinking then when he got there they had you know continued to drink and he was kind of high on the you know he's gonna get some and you know whatever so I think when he finally escaped he couldn't lead them back so it was about a year and a half you know when the police finally decided hey maybe there's something to this which there there was many more disappearances they could have nipped this in the bud Although who knows if those two disappearances were the beginning or the middle or whatever. So when he was investigated about the disappearances, when they, you know, linked his car to the disappearances, they asked to search the property, which was the 18 acre property that both he and his wife, Julie, owned. They both said, no, you can't search our property. So the property was called Fox Hollow Farm. The next year, 1996, after Julie, like, okay, yeah, well, they didn't have, they didn't have enough. Then he was just seen in the area. And unfortunately, you know, these men who, who go after people who are in a high risk lifestyle type, you know, I mean, if people are just drinking possibly drinking to excess and then going with someone to their house, their credibility is so 
kind of tarnished that it takes a specific investigator to actually believe these people. You know, it's like why people can get away with killing. Yeah. With killing sex workers for so long, because it's just, you know, it's believed that they're, you know, either not saying I agree with it at all, but like they're putting themselves in a high risk position. They're somehow less than, so they're not being investigated as hard because they think, oh, there's other people who require our attention or whatever. Hopefully we're seeing, you know, that that's turning around, but I'm sure it's not going to get super better, super fast. But I think that's why, because they just had this one guy saying this guy, Brian Smart, is the one who did this. And who knows what that guy was? I mean, who he could have been doing drugs. He could have been whatever. Anyway, the next year, 1996, Julie had been concerned with her husband's behavior. So he was starting to kind of lose his grip on presenting a great thing that wasn't enough this is what got her the mannequins not a big deal this is well that's okay it's possible that those mannequins happened while he was while she was taking the kids to his mother's house all the time like he could have come back and forth but it's a separate pool house so like if she had just like if she doesn't use the pool house i don't know i would know if my husband was collecting mannequins around my yard i don't care how yeah, big the house is not hard to miss yeah i don't know i i've never been in that uh, position <laughs> well, i was just thinking like if it's a separate property and you know on your property if it's a separate thing and you don't want to go to the pool i don't know would i go in it i'm first of all if i have an eleven thousand square foot house i'm having a maid i'm not going in there and cleaning it like, yeah. I, I don't know. But also, she's so concerned about his behavior. Perhaps I would be looking around the estate like, hmm, what the fuck is he up to? Because our business is imploding. He's going crazy. Like, so she decided to dip out and filed for divorce. When she filed for divorce she contacted the police and gave them permission to search the property. This was when Herb was on, he was either on vacation or quote unquote, a business trip, whatever. He was out of the house. So when the police, when the police came, they found 11 men's remains on the property. Oh my God. 11. Wow. Only eight were identified. Were they buried or were they yeah. mannequins? They were buried. Oh. Um, I wax too many times. <laughs> so they decided to issue a warrant for his arrest. Did they? Well, they issued it. Okay, but they issued it while he was still gone. He got wind of the warrant for his arrest, so he fled to Canada and then shot himself in the head. Oh, wow. Oh, wow. So... There's a note that read that it was because of his divorce. You know, his wife wanted a divorce. His Save-A-Lot stores were not doing well, blah, blah, blah. No mention of any of these men. No mention of, I'm sorry that I killed these people, whatever. So after his death and further investigation, they suspected him of killing nine other men. Wow. He was nicknamed the I-70 killer because the other men that were found all along Interstate 70. I've heard of him, but I didn't never, I never knew. Same. I didn't know that was his name. Yeah. So I think he had, it was just convenience. Like the men who came back to his estate with him, he buried there. The men who he had maybe killed out and about, he would dump their bodies on along, you know, the I-70 corridor. Mm. Um, but with nothing linking them, you know, it's it's pre-DNA, you know, it, they couldn't link him to these people. Uh, but one of the men that was found along the highway, which who he was killed before Herb killed himself, um, was the guy who identified Brian Smart. 
Oh. So it looks as if okay. he so. possibly had killed him to avoid him testifying in a trial, if there was a trial. But I did wonder, like, what would have happened if they were more sneaky about the arrest warrant? Like, maybe if they would have waited till he returned from his trip to arrest him. But at the same time, maybe he would have been doing another killing or, you know, possibly putting the public at risk. Right. Waiting having him out there. Because he was long anyway. So he's linked. Yeah, he's linked to 27 to 30 victims. Oh my gosh. Yeah. Oh, that's so sad. Yeah. Well, and it's it's very interesting that he could keep his two personalities so completely separate to where people weren't concerned when he was getting into these little bits of trouble. You know, nowadays, if you have schizophrenia or some other underlying mental illness, when when there's signs of, you know, maybe going off the rails or like maybe there's turmoil in, you know, whatever, it's addressed Mm -hmm. versus like, you know, if you're if you have never been diagnosed with a mental illness and perhaps you pee on something and send it, it's like you're fucking gross. Don't do that. You know. Yeah. Who knows? I do find it really sad, though, because he clearly was having to live a closeted life. And I can't help but think if that was um, different time. Yeah. Well, if that contributed to his outburst, you know, if, if he was trying to live the married life and kind of fit round pegs, you, for, you know, just have your fun and then move on. Oh, absolutely. Yeah, but if he had a mental illness anyway, right. you know, it, I disappear and keeps mannequins. Yeah. <laughs> it makes me think of, I probably repress this because of this reason, but um, when I was a freshman in college, my university leased in a, a public apartment building and the guy across from us on his balcony, we could see like one or two mannequins. Oh, all yeah. the time. And he dressed them every day That's so and one time he went to the hospital because he got one of the arms stuck up his butt oh. I, yeah I, it just made me this story made oh. me think of that guy whoa nope 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 i'm done was his name herbert <laughs> i don't know was his name herbert i was going to ask if herbert ever came to colorado Springs. or forget a son <laughs> he a son no oh. yeah. man <laughs> <laughs> I just you can hire just people nowadays like to do that no. kind of stuff if that's what you're into because he would he died before you were born probably he died in 1996 oh I was yeah i was two okay. well you weren't in college well herbert had three kids so maybe. i mean it maybe it's a familial trait yeah, <laughs> yeah. right well so, that's uh-oh. that this will probably be Kaylin's last time for a while because she graduates from the Secret Service in two weeks and yeah. then she's off to California. Yeah. Sunny California. Congratulations. Thanks. All right. Well, enjoy your Mother's Day and your brunch and you too. Yeah. Yes, we will. All right. Well, goodbye. We will talk to you guys next week. <laughs>